have this passage, that this is something that you go back to again and again to reflect on, because I think it's one of the most important, profound encounters that Jesus has with anyone in, in all the Gospels. Listen to the word of God. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And when he went to the Pharisee's house, he reclined to dine. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair, kissing her feet and anointing them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who are at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? But he said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord, open up our eyes and our heart that through your word proclaimed, we may encounter you, the living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The dinner table. A space of great memories, sometimes great tensions, both triumphs and disasters. I have great memories of my childhood and with extended family around table. I have some wonderful comedic moments, particularly when one of my boys brought home a girlfriend for the first time. May God have mercy on her soul at the hands of the other boys, right? I did a summer internship uh, after my first year at Princeton. It was in Midland, Texas, where I eventually came back and, and worked there at First Presbyterian Church. And Midland, Texas is where all the white collar and uh, oil owners live. So uh, they've created this little cult, this little uh, uh, island of culture and extravagance in the middle of, of the desert out there. And, um, 
and we were invited to lots of different events. And I, I, can, I can tell you, uh, between my being born in West Virginia and growing up in South Central Pennsylvania, I had not had much experience with the dinner party, okay? Uh, you know, fancy dinner in my house was we used silverware, right? Uh, so, um, so we were at this dinner party, and it could have been a Wes Anderson movie. Those you know Wes Anderson, very eccentric family, an oil guy made millions in oil. His wife, who was uh, just batty as all could get out, uh, had an older son and a daughter, a younger son who wasn't quite right, you know, home from prep school in the east, and. We start out by playing this, uh, a game of croquet that turned into a shouting match and uh, screaming. They screamed at each other about the rules. Then we were at dinner and they played all these weird puzzle uh, 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 games. It was just a very strange, tense thing. And I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old there. Okay, now, they were so gracious. Now, don't get me wrong. They were very gracious and open. But we're at this fancy table, right, with these two kids. My youngest, Adam was the youngest at that point. He was just learning potty training. He just was kind of on the verge of conquering that. And, you know, they're two and four, and they're starting to run around, and the hostess goes, no, that's fine, they're boys, let them run around. We had boys, let them run around. So, you know, we kind of did that, and we're finishing up uh, dinner, and and it's a long table, and it's a long, beautiful room, and I can see at the end, in the hallway, Adam, my two-year-old, standing there without any pants on, holding his underwear at some distance. <laughs> so, uh, obviously I felt a little panic and uh, went running, <laughs> running to help him and take him to the bathroom. And when I found the bathroom, it was this beautiful, their guest bathroom of all these antique linen and silk, whatever those doilies are, right? that Adam had used to help clean himself off. So I'm trying to, you know, it's a disaster. And, I, and, he, and he's kind of proud of himself because he, you know, mostly got into the toilet, right? So he's pretty proud. And I'm, you know, I don't want him to feel bad, but I'm trying to clean up. And she comes in, she goes, oh, just leave it. Consuelo will be here tomorrow. And I'm going, I don't think we want to leave this till tomorrow. And so I'm cleaning up. I go, that's okay. And as I'm cleaning up, she goes, let me help you. And she comes in, and she didn't really know how to clean a bathroom because she got carpet cleaner and started spraying it all throughout the air on top of it. So that was a dinner party that's memorable, obviously. That happened 30-some years ago. I haven't forgotten it. <laughs> I saw Adam this weekend. He is potty trained completely, so you're not worried about that. Yeah. Guess who's coming to dinner at this particular dinner party Jesus is having? An uninvited guest that uh, changes everything. Now, you know, first of all, I think it's important to understand that Jesus gets invited to Simon the Pharisee's house. Remember a couple chapters ago, he got invited to Levi, the tax collector. Okay, on the religious spectrum, they're here, okay? <laughs> they would not go to each other's house, okay? But Jesus, um, Jesus went to wherever he was invited. I think that's still the case. Jesus will show up wherever he's invited. Uh, I think there's a lot of places he's not invited anymore. Fortunately, some of those are churches, right? Um, and, you know, I think... If you stopped and thought about it, everybody's a little offended by the company Jesus keeps, right? 
If you're on the more religious side, you're offended that he's hanging out over here with these sinners and such. But if you're like the common people say, hey, he's one of us, next day he's over here with all those uppity religious people, right? So Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. Um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me, that, you know, this is actually did happen. It's not only legendary, but Groucho Marx, uh, they invited him to join the Friars Club, but he went but didn't want to be a part of it. And he sent him a resignation letter. It said, please accept my resignation. I don't want to belong to any club that will accept me as a member. <laughs> I hope you all don't feel that way you joined the church today, right? <laughs> Mercy, grace, and acceptance is the nature of God. Period. William Blake. For mercy has a human heart, pity a human face, and love the human form divine, and peace the human dress. Where mercy, love, and pity dwell, their God is dwelling too. Period. Jesus is that this dinner party. And you probably have seen uh, scenes of uh, dinners in late antiquity or in the ancient world where they're lying, they're, they're kind of reclining at table, which I, I had to do that in Morocco one time. I find it remarkably uncomfortable, but they were wonderful, gracious people. And, but you know, they're you're kind of around a table and the food's there in the middle. It's an interesting thing to do. And so you're kind of, they're at the table and they're having probably a nice theological discussion. Maybe they're throwing some questions Jesus' way. But a, a woman, first of all, the fact that a woman shows up is problematic, right? Because there's all kinds of reasons why that doesn't work if you're trying to create uh, being ceremonially clean as the Pharisees were. So usually men would, would wait on men in those kinds of circumstances. But an uninvited woman comes into the meal. And we're not talking any woman. We're told she's a notorious sinner. Now, it's really interesting through the history of the church to see how people, you know, the commentators on this, usually men are the commentators, right? And they run wild with their imagination about this woman. But you could probably guess. I mean, it's the implications is pretty strong. If everybody knew she was a sinner, okay, we probably can guess what her work was. And so she comes in. She's not invited. She shouldn't be there. She's unclean. And she's just weeping. Now, that's kind of distracting, right? If you're trying to have dinner and someone around the table is just crying, okay? Right? We've all had that happen at our table, right? Okay? But on top of that... She's wiping his feet and kissing them with her hair, which is not only kind of disgusting, but it's really un unseemly, right? It's a very intimate thing to be going on. And he's supposedly this holy teacher, and this unholy woman is doing this to his feet. And then to top it all off, she breaks this ointment that would have been incredibly poignant, you know, in its smell. Have you ever tried to eat beside someone who put too much perfume on? All right, multiply that by 50. 
Or if you had sons, did you ever try to eat with someone who smelled bad? Well, we always put, made them eat in the garage, if that was the case, right? Okay? But you, you want to talk about losing your appetite, right? I mean, so there's no way you could pretend this isn't happening, right? And then, of course, as religious people will do, regardless of what kind of religion you have, right? Or moral people. It doesn't matter if you're not religious. Moral people. Matter of fact, some of the most self-righteous people I know are not particularly religious, but are highly moral people who, you know, who, who live well and, and, and know that they live well and, and know that they li- think they live better than everyone else, right? So this group of moral people, seeing this immoral woman, they're offended, as you and I probably would be as well. Let's face it, we get upset if someone's noisy beside us in a restaurant. Or particularly how judgmental we are when someone's having young kids and suddenly we all become super parents, right? When we're looking at them, well, they were my kids. They would be, right? right we, we have this natural tendency to be judgy of other people, don't we? Yeah. So they're all you know, murmuring among themselves and Simon in his head goes, well, if he's a prophet, he would know what this is. And then Jesus says, Simon, I want to tell you a story. Two guys, one's forgiven 50 denarii, another's 500. A denarii was about a day's wages, okay? Uh, a professional soldier made 225 denarii a year. So this, you know, 50 is a couple months work, right? 500. You know, it was a, a year, a couple years, right? And they said, well, Simon, who do you think loves the other person more? And he goes, well, I guess the person who was forgiven more. He walks right into Jesus' trap. And then let's look at the text. And, and I think it's really important to visualize this. Jesus, it says, turning towards the woman... He talks to Simon. Now, I think that dramatic move does more things than we could even ever explain. He sees this woman. And Jesus is looking on her with compassion. But he's trying to set the religious guy straight. He's talking to him, looking at her. In some ways, he's saying, Simon, you probably have never even looked at her with compassion. What did she give to Jesus that Simon did not? Well, Jesus tells us. Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet even though I've walked in this dusty world, and I noticed you did that for other people. That's okay. But she's bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. Now, you gave me no kiss. You didn't really greet me. Now, I've noticed that you greeted everyone else. That's fine. But this person, this woman, she's not stopped kissing my feet. My feet. 
You couldn't even shake my hand, but she's kissing my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil. You didn't, you made, you invited me as a special guest, but you didn't recognize me as a special guest. But she has anointed my feet with ointment, incredibly expensive ointment. This may have been her retirement. That ointment is probably worth more than 500 denarii, by the way. And what did the sinful woman get <laughs> about Jesus? I mean this colloquially. What did she understand about Jesus? What did she get about Jesus that Simon does not? Well, first of all, she recognizes that she's in the presence of someone who sees her sins and brokenness as it is. But she also sees the face of love and mercy, not disdain, disgust, and judgment. I think Simon the Pharisee is representative of a lot of religious people and a lot of people in general, right? But not only those, but anyone who engages in self-righteous or self-justifying actions, statements, or attitudes which is exactly the spirit of this age, right? We all get indignant about somebody else, right? Why is this such a graceless age? And I think it is such a graceless age. Because I think deep down, we do not think we need God's forgiveness. We often talk about the need for other people to have mercy, and sometimes we even talk about maybe we need to forgive ourselves. But we've either eliminated the need for God or marginalized the deity to some sort of personal spirituality or experience. That kind of religion is not strong enough to do much of anything. It's pretty easy religion to disregard. I think that's part of what's happening in our day and age. This woman did not need someone to tell her she was okay any more than she needed people to tell her how bad she was. Remember that book, I'm Okay, You're Okay? If I would write a book, I would like to say, I'm not okay, you're not so hot either. You know, if you stop and think of it, Simon probably could not make her feel any worse about herself than she already did. I, I think what's remarkable about this woman, she didn't care what these people thought. <laughs> she knew very well she was not welcome at this party. She knew very well that she could be thrown out by force, maybe stoned, beaten worse, ridiculed. Didn't matter to her. She was so hungry for the grace and love of God to meet her as she was with all that she had done. And I kind of imagine maybe Jesus already passed by her. How did she know Jesus was there? She knew he was walking into town. And I sometimes imagine that when Jesus looked at her, that the way he looked at her, no man had ever looked at her that way before. Not as an object of desire to be used, 
not as an object of disdain to be ridiculed. He looked at her as his child who was in so much pain, who had such a burden. And I think she saw love in his eyes. Jesus did see her. And that's what God does. And Jesus forgave her. That's what God does if we come as honest as we can be. Grace made her want to be different. Grace set her free. And because of this encounter with Jesus, she had to show him how much she loved him. She didn't care. She didn't care what anybody thought. She didn't care how much it cost her. She just needed to say thank you. So then Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But to one to whom little is forgiven, little loves little. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's a lot about this theory of reciprocity when it comes to whether you want to call it karma or spirituality that's pagan. I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean it's not, it's not really Christian. This idea that if we do good, God will bless us. Well, that works until it doesn't, right? Ask Job how that goes, right? Bad things happen to good people all the time, right? But there is a principle of reciprocity when it comes to loving God. Now, not from God's perspective. God just loves, right? You know what's crazy about this? Jesus loved Simon the same that he loved this woman. But only one person benefited from that love in this story. The guy who devoted his entire life to pleasing God missed the love of God sitting right beside him. And that's sad. That's part of the sadness of this story. But the more we understand how much we need grace, the more we say yes to grace, the more we understand how broken and sinful we are, and we understand how much God just loves us, that really allows us to love so much more. In the heart of hearts, was this woman a worse sinner than Simon, from the perspective of God? No. Matter of fact, Simon's soul was in greater danger. You know why? Because his sins were sins of the spirit, spiritual pride. It's hard to ask for forgiveness when you are sure you're right. Lent is to be a time of self-examination and repentance. Not to wallow in guilt, but maybe to fall deeper in love with the God who sees and knows all and loves. Louis B. Smead's of blessed memory, the great um, Christian, practical Christian theologian says this, forgiving does not ease the bitter past. 
A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for our future. Now, he's talking about forgiving others, but it is the basis of all forgiveness. Whatever we need to be forgiven of from God becomes part of our redemptive story. This notorious sinner is one of the most notorious lovers of God in the entire scriptures. May we all have eyes to see this. May we all have hearts to pray this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. I invite you to continue your worship by giving to God your gifts, your tithes, and your offerings.